Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. For 125 years, the Josephites have been serving African-American Catholics throughout the country in parishes, schools, and other outreach ministries. Later in the show, we will speak with Bishop John Ricard about the ways the Josephites have encouraged vocations from the African-American community and beyond. But first, we're joined by Father Michael Thompson, Superior General of the Baltimore-based Josephites, to talk about the history of the Society and how the Josephites plan to celebrate their 125th anniversary. Father Thompson, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thank you. <laughs> good good to have you. you. Yes, glad to be here. Could you tell us about the origins of the Josephite? It actually goes back to England, is that right? Yes, um, you know, right after the uh, Civil War, of course, you know, there were some seven million you know, freed slaves and people of color who were baptized Catholics, and the church recognized that they had these, you know, these slaves. So the Holy Father asked that something be done not to lose the livelihood of, of these Catholics and people who were part of the, the church large. The American bishops had met at the Preliminary Council, Second Preliminary Council here in Baltimore, and said basically they, it wasn't their problem, you know, and so they were looking for an answer. What are we going to do? Uh, Pope uh, Pius IX then called a guy Herbert Vaughn. He was in Mill Hill, England. He started a community of St. Joseph missionaries. His idea was to open a seminary, build missionaries, and go to Africa and do missionary work. So when he applied for some missionary, the Holy Father says, go to America. <laughs> and so he was welcomed here by the, by the bishop and uh, started his community, brought him over, four guys. They came over to Baltimore landed in Baltimore and began to look at how he was going to serve African Americans. He met a Jesuit on the way who had studied at, in, in England and he came along with them so they had some connection here uh, with St. Francis Xavier which was then I think part of um, a small church set up uh, by the Jesuits somewhere where St. Ignatius was. And I don't <laughs> remember the history exactly, but somewhere in the basement of that, that they were uh, going to minister to. So he came to Baltimore, those four priests came and began ministering, and he went around to the south, and he visited a lot of the places where free uh, people of color and African Americans and African descent were ministering, be not being ministered to, but holding, you know, themselves in, in, in their faith, you know, and, and trying to I guess integrate into some of the churches that they knew were Catholic churches, but they weren't welcome. And so we, he began to start the ministry of opening up missions and around Baltimore, especially in Richmond, Virginia, and places where he could travel easily. So those four guys had a, a big task in front of him. And then all of a sudden he realized that there were more immigrants coming to, to the U.S. And so they were like, America was the place to come. And it was just getting overwhelming. People were coming from the South, coming up into, into Baltimore, more Philadelphia area. So it was just becoming overwhelming. So he still had his heart set on Africa. You know? mm -hmm. 
the mm. mission in Africa and began his missionary society in England that he had left behind. So he decided to return to England and to you know focus on that. The four guys stayed behind that he brought with him, and they began to minister. And they decided in eighteen ninety three, he came in in eighteen seventy one. But in eighteen ninety three, they decided that they would apply for their own independence. And so we became the St. Joe's Society of the Sacred Heart instead of St. Joseph Missionary Society. So we still had a connection to uh, Father Vaughn, which later became Bishop Vaughn and then Cardinal Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, they celebrated their 150-year anniversary last year, and I went to England for that. Yeah. But uh, to, we keep the collaboration and keep the brotherhood together because they were our founders. And then those four guys, along with um, the first African-American uh, priest to be ordained, uh, here in the U.S. and educated Father Charles Uncles, they began the new Missionary Society of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart. Father Uncles was, um, we also get Father Toten as being the first ordained black priest, which he was, but Father Uncles was the first one educated in the U.S. and ordained in the U.S. in the time Father Tolton, he couldn't be educated in the U.S. And so we, Father Uncles was ordained right at the Basilica of the Assumption of Mary downtown in the first America's first cathedral. And he was a parishioner of St. Francis and, Xavier, And he right? was a parishioner of St. Francis Xavier and became a priest. So they began that missionary society. So our roots are still with, you know, the brotherhood of the Mill Hill Fathers in England, but we began our own society in a long collaboration with Mother Catherine Drexel, who then, you know, saw the need, financially supported us in a lot of school building and missionary buildings, especially in the South. She bought land, donated land, or or, uh, helped build schools and sent her sisters. So some of our parishes are older than the society because they were already started, and she started schools sometimes before there was a parish, and then the priest was sent when we had the opportunity to send a priest, which was difficult for them because some went on horseback and didn't know where they were going and they had a few dollars and they were just sent to go down south and build a church, start a mission. And so it was difficult for them at first, but they did it. And, you know, and, you know, we, we thrive because of that. And, and, and the support of people who I think really understood the necessity of working, you know, in the African-American community or in the black community at that time, because not to lose, you know, the faith and the dedication of those slaves who had been practicing their faith, especially if they were on southern plantations and the owner was Catholic. They were all baptized and married, and it's all in church registry. You can find it mostly in in Louisiana. You can find their sacramental records in in the churches, even though they weren't free people. It It was recorded. And the Josephites covered territory that included basically the whole country, is that right? Or we, most of the uh, we were across across the country where we were needed. You know, now we're your nine states, but we we were in Virginia in Richmond, Virginia, we were in Massachusetts, we we're in a lot of places that we no longer serve, even the Bahamas. But we you know, because of manpower, shortage of vocations, we've closed some of those places. So our concentration is mostly in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas. Those are our biggest strongholds. 
and then um, California, and then we have two studiums in, in Nigeria because most of our vocations today are coming from Nigeria. And so we have a discernment house and a house of philosophy there in Nigeria where they study with the Dominicans in Nigeria. How would you classify the charism of the Josephites? Well, I think our, our founder, he you know, was found to we he came to minister to the you know freed blacks and and to build and educate and evangelize those people who were marginalized, those people who were poor and and you know left out, and we continue to do that today. That's our charism to evangelize, to preach the gospel, and to fight for peace and justice among those who are marginalized and downtrodden. And so we, we continue to do that. And most of our parishes are in urban areas. They're, they're in here in West Baltimore and Cherry Hill. And, you know, we have parishes uh, in Baltimore that you probably wouldn't find a priest who want to go there. Some most diocesan priests don't want to serve in, in an exclusivity of of the African American parish. So that's our job, and that's what we we've done, you know, for 125 years. And difficult at times, you know, even the white priests, the Irish priests, the other priests that we've had who worked in the early years, they were discriminated against just because they were serving black people. They were called names and, and shunned by, by other priests in the diocese because of the work they'd done. You know, it was important work to build community. To My, my thing is, you know, as a superior, when I visit these parishes, I always see that sense of dignity that the parishioners have, the sense of dignity that the people in the community have. Because they feel ownership that someone really cares about them and they can feel safe they feel secure even though we're there to empower them and to give them you know a stronger uh, sense of faith and that God is present in their lives you know it, it's just fascinating that they survive and they continue to support us you know in, in our work and they continue to need us could you tell us about some of the ways you're celebrating this special anniversary we decided to have a, a celebration here in Baltimore, so we'll be having a mass on November 17th at the Basilica, America's First Cathedral, here in Baltimore, where we were founded. And what time is the mass? The mass will be at 5:30 uh, at the Basilica. We're going to celebrate, hopefully, with a nice liturgical celebration with Bishop Laurie as our celebrant and. Uh, me as the homeless, <laughs> and to talk, give a little history of the Josephites, and and uh, have a banquet afterwards. You know, at, I think it's held at the convention center, um, and just celebrate our 125 years of, of service to the African American community and to the uh, Black people, Black Catholics of, of Baltimore and places we serve. If people want to learn more about the Josephites, do you have a website? Yeah, josephite.org. That's our, our website, www.josephite.org. And, and you can check out more about our history, who we are, the different departments, parishes we serve, different ministries we serve in, and uh, about the celebration. And you can even donate online if you want to support <laughs> us in our work. Father Thompson, thank you so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Thank you, and I'll, I'm happy to be able to share a little bit of our history in this short period of time, and happy to be here in Baltimore serving the people. Thanks, Father. Our conversation will continue in a moment with Bishop John Ricard. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek.
Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online, at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Bishop John Ricard, a former auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the first African-American bishop in the Archdiocese, currently serves as rector of St. Joseph Seminary in Washington, D.C. St. Joseph is the official seminary of the Josephite Priests and Brothers. As the Josephites celebrate the 125th anniversary of their founding in Baltimore, we spoke with Bishop Ricard at St. Joseph Seminary about the Josephites' long history of cultivating religious vocations within the African-American community and ways the Society of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart is inviting young men from Africa to join the Josephites. Bishop Ricard is the retired bishop of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee in Florida. Bishop Ricard, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Very welcome. The seminary where we're doing this interview was actually located originally in Baltimore and was the very first Catholic seminary in the country to welcome both white and black seminarians. Why have the Josephites worked so hard for so long in lifting up religious vocations among African Americans? For the same reason everyone else does, to supply the need for good holy priests, especially in the African-American community, and uh, to help young men who have a discernment, a desire to be a priest, fulfill that purpose. Mm -hmm. that, that is why we do it, because there is a need for black priests in black parishes and in the church at large, just as there's a need for all priests to serve the church, especially that the church reflects God's intent, that everybody is to be saved and everybody receives God's care and love. In the late 90s, the Josephites started reaching out to Africa as well to, to form partnerships with uh, young men considering religious life. Uh, how has that partnership worked with the Josephites? Well, it's, it's worked uh, very well. Since I'm here at the seminary, I have ordained a number of priests from Africa in that program. Three years ago, I ordained seven, and five next year, and last year, this year at least, one was ordained a priest. So it, it's worked over the years, about the last... Um, 20 years, we averaged about two priests ordained from Africa wow. per year. And these priests serve in Josephite parishes yes, here in the are. United States? Yes, they are. They are, indeed. 
How, how are they received by the communities here? Well, the, there are two ways of looking at this. They are very similar uh, to priests who are Native Americans who live in America and sometimes have the same issues. Some of the issues we face are what Catholics complain of sometimes, of accent. But generally, that's kind of a, not of a great substance because it's dealt with, it's overcome. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. They learn about American culture, which is different from the culture in Africa. In Africa, the culture is very much rooted, very traditional. Now, some of these young men come from families and tribes, ethnic groups there, that are thousands, hundreds of years old. And uh, this, this country is fairly new in this country. So we're used to a lot of change. So attitude towards authority are very different, as well as attitude towards women. Very positive thing, though. But they're learning, and they can teach us a great deal. What are some of the gifts that these men bring? Well, a very deep spirituality, for one thing. A love of scripture. A, a acquaintance with scripture, which develops in Africa. Love of their family. Concern for the family. And certainly a uh, devotion to Mary, to St. Joseph. And uh, a very kind of refreshing approach to liturgy that is not rushed, uh, that is uh, repeated carefully, slowly, and that's and music is very much a part of the liturgy that we experience here at seminary and what we see in parishes. So most of them, by and large, most of them, by and large, are doing very well in their parishes that they are assigned to as priests and uh, are really affirmed by people whom they serve. I know there's one priest here, Father Cornelius, who was ordained by me about uh, four years ago, and he is very well received by the priest at St. Luke's Parish in Washington. He's very, and a young man I ordained last year, a Kingsley priest, and he is uh, invited everywhere. He's, he's charismatic, he is uh, smart, is wise and uh, really a, a great asset to us. Thank God for his presence. Now, many of these men are from Nigeria. What other countries? Almost are, all of them. Almost are all from Nigeria. Other, they come also from other countries, but most, almost all of them, about ninety percent, would be Nigerian. Mm -hmm. and Nigeria has a uh, very strong uh, religious uh, sense and. Uh, there, you see, when you go there, you can sense it immediately. And not, not only Nigeria, but in Africa itself. There's not the, uh, not yet, the demarcation, separation between what is secular on this side and what is sacred. So that people see the presence of God more, much easier and much more readily in nature in the wind, in, in the trees, and uh, in everyday life, God is present. Whereas in this country, there's such an emphasis, because we are so secular, there's such a distinction, we make deliberate distinctions between what is sacred and what is secular. Mm -hmm.
as a matter of fact, we see it as a negative. Mm. And uh, so with them, it's a very different experience. And that's a refreshing thing. Mm. People experience that. And you said you have 10 in formation right now, is that right, in this yeah, country? Yeah, approximately 10, 10, yes, that's correct. As the rector here, how would you describe them? Are, are they young guys? Or oh, yeah. They? they tend to be much younger than the American seminarians, much younger, at least uh, five, six years, uh, ten years younger, and uh, very ready to learn. They go to Catholic University of America, <clears throat> which is very demanding, and uh, do very well over the Dominican House of Studies, another one, mm -hmm. which is very academically inclined, inclined over there. They do very well there. So they're, they're received by academically and by uh, the people they meet and interact with. What do you think the Josephites and the church at large could do to attract more religious vocations within the African-American community? Well, you see, people come become priests. They become interested in religion, by and large, or joining either as a priest, a brother or sister, because they seem role models. Mm -hmm. They're models of faith. And so we really need more models of faith that people can be attracted to and imitate. When I served as bishop in Florida, we had, uh, I spoke on many, many occasions to young men and women and young men especially, who had a desire to do something more in their life, an attraction, an appeal to probe deeper into the faith and to serve. And yet there was no way of seeing how that could be channeled because they didn't see that many role models, mm -hmm. people they could imitate or see somebody successfully doing this or that. And so, there's always a re regret when I saw that happening, mm. that we couldn't follow through with it. It, it, it should have been. We have about a minute left. Uh, what attracted you to the Josephites? What was it about the society that, that drew you? Well, I, I grew up in a Josephite parish, so I knew firsthand what they were doing, with sense of de dedication, commitment, and the uh, the deep love and uh, devotion to the people whom they serve, and so I saw these as uh, unselfish men, by and large, who served us, the African American community at the time, often uh, at the risk of uh, ostracizing themselves from other priests, other Catholics. I grew up in the Jim Crow South, so it was uh, rigidly seg segregated. And But they were part of us. They lived in the same community that we lived. And they shared our values, our aspirations, our dreams, and were very supportive of what we, who we were and what we were trying to do. So I saw that, again, the role models I saw in them that were should have been what I, what I felt as a young person that I wanted to imitate somebody. I wanted to be like him and uh, dedicate my life in service to others. Well, hopefully we'll have more, more examples of that in the years to come. Yes.
Bishop John Ricard, Rector of St. Joseph Seminary in Washington. Thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. You're very welcome. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.